Hello, and welcome to a new Casual Debate Podcast. Today we are joined by uh, Lauren. I am here, yes. Hello. Tiffany. And also Catherine. Hello. Hello. And also our president, Chris. Hello. Yes, can't hello, forget hello, about hello. Chris. Can't forget about him. Today, for our topic, we will be talking about foreign languages um, from Mandarin to Spanish to French. German, French. Many um, other languages. So, for our subtopic today, or something we will be debating about, is which foreign language is the most useful in America? Now, there are many answers, but here is one. So, I think that. Mandarin is becoming a more important language to learn for Americans because of the growing uh, trade sector that uh, China is having with the U.S. But depending on where you live, like if you live towards the south, like if you live in Texas, Southern California or Southern Texas or even Arizona, I think Spanish is very useful because there's a growing Hispanic, well not growing, there's an established Spanish population, but it really depends where you live. Uh, But overall, I think Mandarin is becoming the most important uh personally i think that uh uh, spanish is the most important language to learn here in america uh it's because that it's uh very well spoken it's like the uh, second most spoken language here in america and also uh when you go down to like a grocery store or like uh just anything like you look down the aisle you look at all the products they also have spanish on them that's because it's it's such a common language so i think it's a good thing to learn and also there's a lot of native speakers here and it's good to communicate with them can really help you uh, in any career you really choose. I see like there's pros to both like depending on where you're deciding to work like if you want to work in trade then obviously if it's right. trading like with the Pacific that's like yeah. Chinese with Mandarin would be most helpful but if you're like working on the border like you're gonna have to learn some Espanol. Yeah. Yes. Interesting opinions here Lauren take and defend your argument. Well if you want to have a good job in <laughs> in uh, trade and stuff because that's of course a growing uh, a growing sector in jobs and that's gonna provide a lot of jobs for people so they're gonna have to learn Mandarin in order to keep up with the global economy but if you learn Spanish um, many of the people that speak Spanish or many of the uh, they work in service jobs so if you want to work in a service job you're gonna have to learn Spanish uh, personally, I believe with some of the points you've made, but like you really focus all on the trade jobs, and I do believe that Mandarin is an important uh, language to learn if you're gonna do that, cause like uh, China is one of like the biggest economies, but like here here in America, like I just believe that if you're just not working as a, in a trade job or anything like that, um, shoot, sorry, I lost track. Yeah, just continue, like, you're, okay. like the point you're making is like China. I mean, if you're saying it's all for trade, then like, who? Not everyone works yeah. in trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most people awesome. are just normal citizens. Like, yeah. what is, which one is more useful in normal life? Gotta increase that GDP, though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, okay, isn't the U.S. like having a trade like war with China? Okay. So we don't want to associate. Gonna... <laughs> no. oh well, I mean, I don't know. But guess what? Um, Spanish only like, there's a lot more distribution in the South. S- say you live. And towards the north where there's not as many Hispanic people or people that speak Spanish there are more other types of people so it won't be as useful there like say in Maine you live in Maine uh, I don't think 
I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think there's as, there's a, as much need for Spanish as, say, in Texas or California or Arizona. Shoot, my mom is here. I'm sorry, I gotta leave. <laughs> Catherine, pretend to leave So, I'll be taking over for Tiffany now. Um, I think that Spanish is the more useful language in the U.S. because there, although there is a growing population of uh, Chinese speakers and Mandarin speakers in the U.S., um, Spanish is still the more dominant language in the U.S., especially in areas bordering Mexico, um, like Arizona and California. Um, but what I'm saying is that they're growing elsewhere too. It's so not just in the South, because there is a growing population of um, mainly in the Western Hemisphere, not Hemisphere, but in the Western side of the US, like in the Seattle area. Uh, I don't know about Portland, but it, it's possible because it is closer uh, geographically to Asia, and that's where China is. So there is a growing population in the West, but in the South, that's Spanish as well. But I'm saying that in they're growing everywhere for Mandarin speakers. Like, you're gonna see some in New York, you're gonna see some in Chicago, you're gonna see some in uh, Washington, D.C. They're gonna be, like, eventually moving everywhere, I think, maybe. Okay, so off mic, what were you guys discussing about Sacramento? Oh, okay, or so there is, like, a growing, well, there is an established uh, Spanish-speaking population there, but, in the same area, Mandarin speakers are also growing, so that both languages might be needed. Or you could just learn English, or just use English. That that's a universal language. But uh, for communications with these immigrants and and people around the community, you're gonna need to learn um, a certain language. And not everyone can learn uh, so many languages. They might need to just focus on learning one. So for me, I'm thinking that. Mandarin is more not more important, but it could be more useful because in the more economic sectors, uh, I know. Well, I don't know, but I believe that uh, there's going to be a lot of Mandarin-speaking people, like in the San Francisco area, Los Angeles area, uh, like New York, Chicago. Well, Spanish speakers are in that area as well, like uh, LA, for example, is a prime example of a lot of Spanish-speaking people. Wouldn't it be necessary for Spanish to be spoken there as well? Well, yes, Los Angeles is pretty, it's historically, there's a lot of Spanish speakers there because um, our geographical location is pretty close to Mexico, but Los Angeles, a Spanish city Yeah, that's also. a Spanish name, so it's San Francisco. <coughs> there isn't, like, a Mandarin city name, because uh, I don't know what's going on there. It's just, <laughs> the only thing close is Chinatown. <laughs> but if you want to get some good Chinese food, or you could get some good Mexican food, you're going to have to learn a good uh, amount of language in order to do that. Uh, I'm going to take... Oh, do you want to... Yeah. Um, to add on to the sp- Spanish-speaking point, I just think that... It's just super duper um, coincidental that, um, as you can see in cities in California, you have so many Hispanic names for the specific cities, such as talking about like San Diego, um, Los Angeles is another example, Um, San Francisco is another good example, 
Um, just a lot of Hispanic language goes into these uh, naming of these cities. Um, do, I, I'm pretty sure they do also have specific uh, meanings uh, to what the city is close to about. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there's actually more Hispanic named cities versus like, let's just say like Long Beach or something. Um, so I think at least Hispanic speaking, there's definitely more um, Hispanic influences versus something like a, a Chinese or any Mandarin speaking country kind of influencing into America. At least it so seems for the naming of cities and also like I think different countries like uh, California is also a Hispanic name. Um, I thought it was Arabic. Anyway. Because re remember, they also back in history, uh, the Hispanics had a part of California yeah, called Baja California. Yeah, colonialism. Yeah, is. colonialism kind of parts. Um, so California is a Hispanic name. So, and to be fair, California is one of the biggest populated areas in America. So, to add on to all of these points, and also different countries also inheriting these kinds of. Uh, Hispanic names versus Mandarin, which isn't as um, uh, uh, which isn't as um, appeared in uh, America. I just I just kind of feel like Hispanic or Spanish would just be better to communicate with the people that are in America. Not saying that there is no Mandarin speaking and or. Uh, Mandarin-speaking people that come in to um, immigrate here, but just the mere thought of different uh, different cities and countries named after um, Spanish that kind of you know is Spanish. You wouldn't, you wouldn't kind of think that oh this place has Hispanic-speaking people yeah. versus Mandarin, which is which barely kind of shows up anywhere. Well, that's based on the past colonialism because there's been a historic movement of uh, uh, Spanish-speaking people in the U.S., especially in the southern section, like you said, California. But I'm looking at immigration in the 21st century. There is a large amount of people moving from uh, China coming into here. They are, it's growing. <coughs> and just because there was a really good past of uh, Spanish-speaking, uh, that is important, but looking at right now, many uh, Spanish-speaking people are bilingual. They both know English and Spanish, whereas uh, people that are immigrating from China now, they probably are struggling to learn English because they're, si they're just immigrating, and it's a very, not new, but recent thing. Well, to add on to that, actually, um, I don't know how much this is going to affect the population of Mandarin-speaking people, but one word, coronavirus. Hey! Less Mandarin people, or less, Man yeah, less Mandarin-speaking people, specifically talking about the Chinese, are not going to appear in other countries because, you know, they've been blocked off. So those communities are probably going to stop growing for quite a while i don't know if the, any other if all of a sudden they start unblocking people that's fine but right now for about a month or two they've just stopped traveling um over to america 
just in general because of the public fear of coronavirus and also the Chinese government also saying about not traveling over there and blocking out all the exits and airports so they don't spread it uh, as much. But with this kind of epidemic showing up, I don't really think that the community is going to grow as much as what you would anticipate. Um, in the near future, maybe, but for now, those communities are not going to grow as much as you are saying right now about the Mandarin, pe uh, Mandarin speaking people traveling across over to here. But that's very short term. Over the long term, there is going to be a lot of people uh, from China immigrating here, just like people did from Mexico in the uh, late uh, 19th, 20th century, right? That to uh, the 1900s. Uh, that's it's shifting over from people moving from Mexico over to people moving from China. Well, to counteract that, um, here's the thing. Um, Mexico is just simply closer versus China. China, you have to take a plane. That costs money. And um, Hispanic people are just, or in some parts of Mexico, it's literally one step away from America. Um, even though there is a lot of controversy about um, blocking off the border and also just protecting it more from the uh, illegal immigrants, I still think it's just easy, it's just more simple to arrive over uh, the border versus China just because of how um, you need to, it requires a plane. It just and also the traveling fee would increase versus uh, Hispanic communities because of how um, the plane has to travel further. Simply put that, they, they would charge more money for, um, for more distant flights versus like Mexico where you don't need as much um, distance to fly over to America. So the, air the airlines would be cheaper and more accessible to travel over. Um, so that's really what I got here. However, uh, this is kind of like a, a smaller, it's not as a major point, but what about people from Taiwan too? They're coming, they speak Mandarin, I guess. Like, not to like target you, but, uh, cause I know you're Taiwanese, but I don't, do they have as much, they, I don't think they have as much immigration restriction as mainland China. Um, definitely not. Um, they don't have as much right now because, um, right now. well, yeah, yeah, obviously, but, um, well, obviously because America does accept Taiwan more than it does China because, of, of, of course, America is in a, uh, economic fight against China. So, of course, it would take in Taiwanese because the Taiwanese, uh, at least some of us, um, go green team but <laughs> some of us do believe that the Chinese government is corrupt um, it's kind of the communism isn't our thing so we kind of lean towards America's side so America does accept us more than China um, but again Taiwan has a form of language Taiwanese mm -hmm. so there are some people who do speak Mandarin. It's not like most of them do speak Mandarin. It's just the fact that they also have another language of Taiwanese. Now, this Taiwanese language is definitely more rare. It occurs in older families and um, 
It, it, it doesn't exist as much as Mandarin because Mandarin is a... Oi, oi, oi. What happened there? No! <laughs> is your water bottle okay? Alright, 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 alright. Okay. It's casual. Back! Wait, according to Ravenstein's laws of migration, younger people move, therefore your older families that speak Taiwanese are not going to move. Well, yeah, but they're they're always going to inherit that kind of language. So I'm just saying that because of their bilingual kind of language with Taiwanese and Mandarin, it's just not as effective. And adding on to the point, Taiwan is not a very big country. Mm-hmm. It's pretty small, so it's not gonna leave as much uh, as much big of an impact as in versus going to mainland. Uh, mainland. Yeah. Okay. Can I interject? Okay. So, it's, I mean, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons for like both Chinese or Mandarin and Spanish, but in the end, English is the superior language. <laughs> we live in America, <laughs> people. Okay. I'm well, kidding. But yeah, like, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I think they're both useful, and it's hard to discern like which one is most useful. Yeah. But like, okay, just kind of taking it out of the topic a little bit. I, I don't. I mean, okay. Speaking from like, this is not necessarily my point of view. Just to add to debate, it doesn't really seem that useful if you're not gonna be dealing with like trade or with agriculture or with like any of the businesses of China or or Mexico. And like, it's better just focus on your own skills other than learning a new foreign language. Like, if you're gonna buy Mexican food or Chinese food, just go to Panda Express or Chipotle, hey, where hey, you speak English. Hey, Panda Express <laughs> is not real Chinese food. It, it isn't. It's actually, food. it's made in California. But it's, it's good food. Sem- no, it's not yeah. really. That's oh. another debate. No. That's another debate, haha! It's good. Another idea! A- anyway, anyway, so, um, do you want to move on to the next topic? Alright, so our final topic for today is actually going to be if which language is just harder to learn as a native English speaker. Like, and we're pulling from any languages, not just these two. Yeah, it's Spanish just not these two Spanish, Mandarin kind of deal. We're talking about everything well, from Greek, uh, well, just Filipino, Arabic. So it's more, Arabic. Of a, more of a, like an open discussion. Yeah, open, so. Definitely more open. So, I mean, can I? Yeah, okay. Go on ahead. So, uh, I'm not sure if this is the most difficult, but maybe Japanese. Yeah. So yeah, let me just let me explain why. Okay, take I'm taking Japanese in high school. Um, some of the differences from English is that they have like three alphabets, kind. Of, I mean, two alphabets, and then they also use a bunch of Chinese characters in their language. So that means you have to learn hiragana, katakana, and then all the Mandarin kanji characters that they stole and put in Japanese. <laughs> Stolen. And second point, it's a completely different grammar structure. So in English it would be like, I eat pizza. But in Japanese it's like, uh, you say the pizza I eat. Yeah, pizza first. And then you say the object, yeah. then the subject, then the verb at the end. Yeah. So that would, that's kind of tricky to learn if you're more accustomed to like English grammar. Well, I would like to counteract that because Mandarin, in my experience, is harder. I am also in Japanese class, but Mandarin is just harder. The tones, man. Um, the yep, tones. The, the tone of how you speak the words. Um, you could say mom or you could say horse. Exactly. You don't know. Yeah, exactly. You could, you, the perfect example. You could actually say this, you could say the same word, but just a different tone. And you get two completely different things, just like what Lauren provided as example, mom and horse. Wait, so there's different person. There's like yeah. four tones, right? Uh, yeah. Mom, oh. ma, 
There you go. See? A perfect example. Um, and also, one little stroke of a kanji character can lead to an entirely different word. Disaster, exactly. And stroke order, too. Exactly. Stroke order is very important. Now, I am uh, both in a field of Japanese and also Mandarin, so I kind of have experience with both, and I can honestly just say that Mandarin is just harder. Now, here's the thing with Japanese. Japanese, yes, you do have a specific stroke order. There's three different kinds of alphabets that you have to learn, but... Referring back to the hiragana and the katakana, they're basically the same exact thing except in different forms. What's the difference? Um, like the katakana is used mainly for uh, English foreign words. Yeah, for just foreign words. But the hiragana is the traditional way of, you know, the tra- traditional that? words that is already been present. So, like, uh, for example, like, um, so the water that's in your uh, bottle uh we already know that um we already know water exists it's not yeah (laughs) that's chinese by the way anyway so in japanese yeah or mizu either one um but you and if you have like a different like let's say a company name like uh I don't know. Ford, <laughs> Ford, I guess. Ford. It would be like Fordudo. Yeah. Or oh, some okay. something along the lines of that. Yeah, yeah, that would be katakana, and the hiragana would be the traditional kind of we already know it exists, or it's not a company name. Um, yeah. What other languages could be? Like- I think Vietnam- Vietnamese sounds really hard to learn because it also has a tonal structure, and it does <coughs> look like it's a uh, English based or like. Latin, uh, Latin type alphabet, but the tones are weird. Like you could have something like I know, uh, the last name L U O N G. You might say Luang was Lung, like it's very hard and it sounds really cool though. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> okay. So oh, right. They yeah. just have like a lot of different kind of pronunciation. Yeah, right? it's very hard. For, I think it's. I remember one of my family family friends said it's kind of difficult for English based tonal structure to learn and adapt to well i think that vietnamese is a pretty hard language too but i would like to point out a new language of uh arabic oh yeah arabic. you've have <laughs> my i have a cousin who um is very religious and is uh in the religion of muslim uh, or islam sorry my apologies um but He's a Muslim, so he has to, he is forced to learn the language Arabic. Now, from what I've seen, um, he suffered a lot. <laughs> you gotta write, he he complains, he kind of complains to me, but uh, he, he, he's been through a lot, so. What he, about it is so, like, difficult, as he say? He's, he tells me that it's kind of just hard to read the little squiggles that <laughs> just kind of, yeah. that is present. Um, it, the, the pronunciation sometimes is just kind of weird for at least an English native speaker mm-hmm. and just in general kind of a, an entirely new different language and something to learn because also because it's kind of comparable to our version of cursive um, it's all weaved in together um, so it's very at least if you're a non-native English speaker it could be hard to decipher what is said in English in uh, cursive English yeah. similar uh, uh, similar kind of uh, situation with with Arabic um, 
So that's kind of another language to throw out there. Mm, what, do you, yeah. what else do you guys have? I think like any language where you have to learn a new alphabet. So like something like Russian or uh, Korean or some uh, things like that. That would be kind of like difficult to just like get on to, like to start learning because instead of something like Spanish where you can uh, read words already, you might not say it right, but you know what kind of the general um, thing is with something where Korean, it's you have to learn a whole new language. Uh, not oh. whole language, a whole new alphabet to well, get started. That's definitely a point, but I think that another contrib- contribution to a difficulty of a language is definitely uh, uh, how you use your tone. Yeah, the tonal structure. Tone is definitely very important in language. Um, if you don't have the right tone, you just can't. You, to a native speaker, you just kind of sound like an idiot. Yeah. Um, d- and uh, different languages, if you don't use the tone right. Um, actually, it can uh, ver- it could vary which language accepts uh, foreign tone. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said with Spanish, um, again, you if might- you don't pronounce it right, you kind of sound like an idiot. But at least they, yeah, exactly. At least the Hispanic speaker knows that you're kind of trying to. They have an idea of what you're talking about versus like if you completely butcher like a Chinese word then nobody will know what you're saying it's kind of sad not gonna lie uh, but I, th- I just think that those two factors of uh, one having a new alphabet or two how much tone can affect uh, uh, the, the hearing or kind of the um, the intake of what that word means if you get what I mean <laughs> Going back to like the discussion we had about alphabets and like, oh, I was thinking about which language that has like the same alphabet as English is like most difficult because like obviously if you have if you have a whole new alphabet that makes it a little bit harder to learn. But like, of all the languages that kind of use the same lettering as English, which ones do you think is are, are more difficult? <sighs> most French difficult. Comes to mind. Yeah. I think of German. A little oh, bit. Yeah. oh yes, German. Well, but here's the thing though. I'm I'm saying German is okay just because of the fact that German actually inherits or actually it would be the other way around. English actually inherits a lot of words yeah. from German language. So it would be much more familiar versus something in French mm-hmm. or something in Spanish. Or But you're going we're going back to like the language tree. So in English, it's related, I believe, by the West Germanic branch, and that's part of, like, the Indo-European, like, well, not branch, it's like a, I forgot my AP hug terms. Anyway, so German and English would be kind of, like, I think the same language group, and then it would go off from the same branch, which is, like, the Germanic languages, and then a whole, and then French and, I believe, Italian are all whole separate Romantic languages, and so it's kind of, like, wherever closer your, um, your languages are like I guess it could be more easy to learn like uh, I know there's a lot of Indian languages on the same one I don't know like the crossover how hard that is but that's just another factor so um, I would also like to point out uh, the language of Latin <laughs> oh. Latin uh, just like what we did in about third fourth grade Latin Greek roots um, oh, just, <laughs> uh, well, okay, but some elementary kids kind of did that. I know that I did for sure, but I personally think that 
Latin would be the toughest, even though English did derive um, Latin and Greek pronunciation, but Latin is a pretty forgotten language. Not very much people use it. Um, there's actually a lot of there's actually a lot of um, uh, let's just say uh, unencrypted kind of words that haven't been really uh, said. I remember how uh, Latin actually used to be kind of like a dominant language, kind of like English, but yeah, yeah. for whatever reason, people, yeah. yeah, but people did drop it, and now they formed into separate languages. So yeah. they were all separated by like physical structures, like uh, I think the Ural Mountains or whatever mountains they are there are in Europe, and they became separate ones, like the Romantic language and the Germanic language they spread off and then the people um moved from i believe like denmark to the uk area to present uk and then there's developed a whole bunch of different romance languages back on the mainland like uh french and uh italian and portuguese and spanish and stuff do you want to know the most difficult language ever i just thought of it like (laughs) i just literally thought of it any destroyed civilization ever. Oh. <laughs> Aztec, Incan, um, Egypt, ancient Egyptian. Uh, oh, the hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. I mean, so, that's though. technically a language. Um, I mean, there are different characters. Literally, we cannot decipher what the heck they're trying to put out, except for maybe ancient uh, ancient Egyptian because they have to, pictures. Like, interpret, right? We can Rosetta try, stone. but <laughs> Rosetta Stone. Just these kinds of examples. Um, I think that's the true, most difficult language because you can't even learn it. Okay, so literally, uh, so I think my answer would be. Um, <laughs> any destroyed civilization's language ever so there you go i mean when are you gonna use those languages yeah <laughs> when are you gonna use aztecan I mean, or cool. are you gonna use incan haha anyways uh we're pretty much yeah that was it yeah. <laughs> there we go there's Casual. a lot of different languages and yep it's interesting learning about them actually it is um and also kind of <clears throat> interesting how humanity kind of just um how do I say it? Just kind of branched out with yeah. uh, a, a single uh, noise or <laughs> <laughs> it's a cavemen were just like cavemen were just went and everyone else oh that means fire and then over that over time it just evolves right into yeah, fire <laughs> and some of them become more complicated. Some uh, like yep, and just just looking at how different one human can. Sp- one human can spiral into it's just kind of impressive how the human race kind of just runs how much we um how much we adapt to situations um and how we progress in the world um thank you for listening wow that got really philosophical uh, <laughs> oh. philosophical. wow philosophical. Haha. Philosophical to, like, debate philosophy. to philosophy haha well thank you guys for listening uh stay tuned we got more coming remember if you want to join podcasting you go to mr misawa's room to uh 
It's in the ASV quad. It's, <laughs> I forgot the room number. 267, I think. I think. Okay, right, you're, right, you're going right. to see a sign and it's going to say his name. And you can go there on Fridays during lunch to um, see our meetings. Self-motion. Join our meetings. Also, yeah. uh, we have Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah follow the um, Gino Hills Podcasting Instagram as well as our Instagram, casualdebate.podcast.chhs. It might change. In I'm about in uh, <laughs> two seconds, because it's kind of long, but um, look for that. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, if you guys are literally interested in it at all, please go check it out. Even though I'm not part of these, I'm not You're part, part of, of the of Instagram. It. Oh, I mean, I... like I don't have Instagram. That's oh. fine. That's fine. All right. Farewell. Goodbye. See you on the next one. <laughs>